Good morning. Thanks for remembering my name, Rick. I've uh, butchered a couple of your names already. Um, So I'm just going to go with brother and sister from now on. Brother, good to see you, brother. Good to see you, sisters. Um, Man, how old is Adam? Like 25 still? He's been here 10 years or or longer, right? Where's Adam? Oh, over there. That guy does not age, so he knows something. Um, It's so great to be here this morning. We we departed in 2007, and uh, so there's a lot of new faces, which is so encouraging. Uh, For those of you who don't know, we were here, our family was here back when CCCLH was EFCLH. And uh, in 2001 to 2007, and then in 07, we moved to Long Beach to seek the kingdom of God there. And we love it there, and we feel called there, but we love you too. And so it's always a pleasure to be back and to reconnect, and it, it's certainly a pleasure to get to preach here. So thanks for welcoming me, and uh, during the serv- the, in between the services and next service for welcoming my, my wife and kids as well. Um, Rick Roadheaver is a great man. And I'm not being paid to say that. Um, and this morning, I'm here for a, another reason besides preaching, and it's to announce uh, Rick's candidacy to be this country's next great president. So, Rick, <laughs> let's show the banner that we have. Road Heaver, 16. No, no. Um, I do stand by my comment, though. Uh, Rick Road Heaver is a great man. The church is blessed to have him and his wonderful family, too. Uh, Julie and I have known Rick for a long time. I was thinking about this the other day. We've known him for 21 years. Um, we've known each other for 21 years. So a lot of stories could be told, but I've had to edit for the purposes of this morning. Um, I'm sure most of this did not come up in his candidating. And so I'm here to tell you a little bit about the real Rick Roadheaver. And that's what friends are for, isn't it, Rick? Yeah. So what to share about Rick? I, that'll be in about another half page. So we'll get there, Rick. Uh, One of my favorite, uh, more of a fact than a story, is actually a minor proof for the existence of God. Uh, When when Rick came to Life Bible College, when we met in 1994, by the way, Life Bible College is a four-square school, so I don't know if you knew this, but your your pastor used to be a Pentecostal. How many people knew that? Okay, four of you. Already, the curtain is being lifted, isn't it? Rick came to Bible college not knowing how to properly use semicolons. It's a true story. And now he is, he's about to wrap up his PhD this next year. Conclusion, there is a God. <laughs> now, I did say minor proof for the existence of God. Not as, as compelling as the fine-tuning of the universe or why people are moral, anything like that. But it's something. Uh, a few more things about Rick. Uh, Rick moved to L.A. in 1991 to pursue a career in music. Did you know that? Okay. okay. Uh, have, have you seen pictures? Some of you? Okay, Google. Some of you know how to Google stuff. Um, he played bass guitar for an internationally known band called Broken Silence. And I have a couple uh, pictures of him here. He's the left, lower left. Rick Roadheaver, bass player. Next slide, please. This one's even better. Upper left corner. Look at that guy. <sighs> Man, what beautiful hair. And, and do you know what? Um, not only did Rick get mistaken for a girl when you'd walk up to him and see his profiler from behind. Also, do you ever wonder why Rick has so much energy? Do you see him? You see him bouncing around up here? I'm like, good 
Heavens, I, I'm going to come up and seem like I'm sleepwalking because I'm just... Rick is used to like kicking over, uh, you know, speakers and slamming his bass and banging his head. And so this is calm for your pastor, but he still has a lot of energy, doesn't he? Also, Rick was in a, a well-known surf movie as an extra, North Shore. Did you know that? Okay, some of you did. So much more th- than meets the eye with your mild-mannered pastor. Uh, Rick and I knew each other long before either of us were married or had kids. Uh, Rick, I, I checked this with him this morning. He was living with Julie and myself in Brea uh, when he met and started dating Lori. Uh, and then the three of us, uh, Rick, Lori, and myself, were all in seminary together at Talbot. And we all excelled. Uh, Lori excelled in Hebrew. I excelled in ping pong. And, and Rick excelled in finding a wife. So I think we'd like to say a corporate thank you, Talbot, together this morning. So if you're tracking, and I am going to get to the sermon in just a moment. This is, this is all the setup here. If you're tracking, uh, that's Bible college and seminary classmates and also roommates. But Rick and I have a lot more in common than that. Rick's from Hawaii, moved to California, and then on to Missouri, and then back to California. I'm from Missouri, moved to California, and have been to Hawaii on three separate occasions. So when you put that all together, that's 89 years of life between the two of us, uh, three states, and, and, and just two uh, wonderful guys. So, Rick, we, we're like brothers connected at the hip. I mean, to look at myself in the mirror is like, is that Rick? No, that's Tim. I just feel, I mean, if he comes up here later, look, see if you can tell which one's which. It's really weird. So much more could be said. Time to transition to the Bible. Uh, a little more joking. It'll be obvious. I might as well just give it away. Uh, Pastor Rick, being such a good friend, gave me a, a, a list of possible topics to choose from for this morning. Um, tithing was one. Uh, I, I didn't care for his title, Give or Get Out. Not at all comfortable with that. So I said, is there anything else, Rick? Um, how, to, how to choose a president? And I said, I think Christianity Today already has an e-book called How to Pick a President. Great resource, by the way. Go check that out. So that was a no. And then he said, okay, how about women in ministry or same-sex marriage? I just said, Rick, at the risk of you know, putting our friendship in a different place, I'm just going to have to pass. So I, I said, Rick, can I preach on rest? And he said, yes, that would actually be helpful. Rest. That's R-E-S-T. What's that, some of you ask? Which is exactly why you need to hear this message this morning. And and truthfully, why all of us here need to hear this message over and over again. It's one of those always, anytime kinds of messages. Rest. Rest. Sabbath. Slowing. Slowing. Ceasing. Rest. Maybe we could all just take a deep breath. Really, let's do this together. So foreign to us, isn't it? Maybe we could do that again together. Let's just do this for another 30 minutes, then I'll sit down. I don't know what uh, specific work you've brought in from this past week or what you have to return to uh, this next week or even after the service, 
But odds are there's plenty of it. Oftentimes too much of it. It's easy to feel overwhelmed and overworked and and maybe choked or crushed is a better description of how you feel in life at this moment. Whether it's physical work, uh, mental work, uh, child-rearing work, which includes both of those and more, relational work, all of us have work. We're quite familiar with work, aren't we? What we're far less familiar with is rest. Isn't that true? We either say or think, I've got so much to do today. Will this school year ever be over? Will the terrible twos ever come to an end? Will this relationship ever get better? Maybe even upon hearing the word rest, that we're going to be considering rest this morning, you you think, oh, wouldn't that be nice? Or, or, yeah, right, like that's going to happen during this season of life. I, I get it. I totally get it. Julie and I, my wife and I, have been what seems like uh, we've been on this quest for rest as long as I can remember. Work hides from no one, but rest does. And while we certainly long for eternal rest that is after this life, what we, what we have to look forward to forever, God's rest, like his kingdom and like his life, are things that aren't all future. They enter into our world right now. When we know Jesus, we can know rest. Amen? Amen. We can know the rest that God provides to greater and greater degrees. But it doesn't just happen to us. Do you know when it comes to us? Do you know what, what sets us up to experience rest? When we look to God and not ourselves. When we consider his great work on our behalf and not our great work on his behalf. This morning is a great opportunity for us to do do that together. A lot more could be said about the Sabbath than what I'm going to share this morning about the Sabbath. Uh, There's a a big transition in the life of the church from the Sabbath to the Lord's Day. I'm not going to talk about that at all. There's good stuff written on that. Physical rest is very important. Getting enough sleep is being a good steward of our body. Uh, That won't be the primary focus of this morning either. What I'm going to focus on this morning, and what I hope you hear the Spirit speak to your heart this morning, is that there is rest for our souls because of what God has done, because of God and His work. Together this morning, we can be still, even with a whole lot of stuff to do, we can be still when we know that He is God. Together this morning, we can hear Jesus say, maybe perhaps for some of you, say for the first time to you, come to me all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Rest for your souls. God delights in us. He wants us to enjoy everything he's accomplished on our behalf. 
And while it would be impossible to speak of everything he's accomplished on our behalf in in the remaining time together this morning, we can focus on two mammoth acts of God, creation and redemption. Both of these in Scripture are tied to the Sabbath. We'll see that in just a moment. But for now, let me say, you and I can rest. We can rest because God is great. He's creator. And you and I can rest. We can rest because God is good. He's redeemer. We can thank him for our food and so much more because that little mealtime prayer is absolutely true. God is great. God is good. Amen? Our outline this morning, uh, just for your your own... uh, benefit if that benefits you, is we can rest because God is great. That's God the the creator. And we can rest because God is good. God the redeemer. So that first one, we can rest because God is great. He's the creator. Genesis 1 is the record of God creating the heavens and the earth. And at the end of the sixth day, God evaluates his own work. At the end of each day, rather. He says, it is good, it is good, it is good. And finally... It is very good. So God gives himself an A-plus on creation. And then in chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, I I do have slides for some of these things. If not, you can either just listen or turn there. Genesis 2, 1 to 3, we read, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So is that strange, to the idea of God resting? It's a little bit strange. What it doesn't mean is that God got tired and, and just quit working. God got fatigued and needs a vacation. It can't mean that. If God took some time off, the whole universe would fall apart. Like the psalmist says, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. He rested, we read in verse 3, but not because he was tired. He rested from all his work that he had done in creation. God completes his great work of creation and then he rests. Again, he didn't rest because he was tired. He rested because he was finished. God's rest becomes a model for the rest that the people of God would later be called to practice. That's the Sabbath. Exodus 20, I think I do have a slide on this one. It's the giving of the Ten Commandments. And we read in verses 8 to 11, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is with you in the gates. Uh, Here's the reason. Verse 11, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. So, one day in seven, 
to remember that God is God and our work, as important as it may be, is not indispensable. Amen? God's is. God's work is indispensable. Ours is not. And God's work, when it comes to creation, it is finished. When Israel observed the Sabbath, they were reminded that they are dependent on God, that their life and welfare are gifts from God, that they could stop whatever it is they were doing. They could cease their works, and things would keep on going without their contribution. God's been working before we were born, and He'll be working after we're gone. Amen? Six days for work, subduing and stewarding the creation as God's image bearers. Six days for work, but on the seventh day, rest. Rest. Anyone else have a hard time with rest? Yep. Resting outwardly, doing things, rest for your souls, those things are related. We have a hard time with this. Work hides from no one. Rest is, is another story. The late Ab- uh, Abraham Heschel, this rabbi, wrote a, a well-known book on the Sabbath called The Sabbath. And he says this, To enter the holiness of the day, we must say farewell to manual work and learn to understand that the world has already been created and will survive without the help of man. Six days a week, we wrestle with the world wringing profit from the earth. On the Sabbath, we especially care for the seed of eternity planted in the soul. The world has our hands, but our soul belongs to someone else. It's good, isn't it? When we rest and and things keep on going without us, it's like a a record that keeps skipping. And, And the phrase over and over is, you are not God. You are not God. You are not God. God's delight, the psalmist says in Psalm 147, is not in the strength of the horse nor his pleasure in the legs of man, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. Sabbath then, resting in God, regular time in your week when you cease from subduing the earth, time that you can set aside Uh, You don't have to do your half-twos. That's a continual reminder to you and me and our children, if we have them, and this whole church community, that it's not the strength of the horse or the legs of man that God takes pleasure in. It's our fear of Him. It's our reverence of Him. It's our dependence on Him, our hope in Him. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Amen? Let the greatness of God, I I would say especially seen in creation, His power in creation, let it bring rest to your soul and sign up for the 15th annual Safari Men's Retreat in April. Because there you get to get outdoors and have your best shot at seeing the stars, being near the water, being in nature, quitting your work, ceasing from your normal routine, and just let God's creation, let His greatness, let it wash over your soul and lead you to rest. I don't read a lot of poetry, 
Uh, but when I do, it sounds like that Dos Equis guy, doesn't it? I, I, I just noticed that right now. I don't read a lot of poetry, but when I do, I prefer Wendell Berry. Wendell Berry is kind of my go-to poet. Uh, he wrote uh, what's my favorite poem for a, a long time now, The Peace of Wild Things. And just listen, this is great. He says, when despair for the world grows in me, and I wake in the night at the least sound in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water, and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water, and I feel above me the day-blind stars waiting with their light. For a time, I rest in the grace of the world, and am free. Friends, we can rest because God is great. God is creator. We can also rest because God is good. He's redeemer. Creation and redemption, two big reasons given to the nation of Israel as to why they could rest, why they were called to observe the Sabbath. Uh, listen to Deuteronomy five twelve to 15. Uh, it's, it's a restating of the Ten Commandments we heard from Exodus 20, but with something added uh, to the Sabbath command. You can just listen along. Observe the Sabbath day, keep it holy, just like Exodus 20, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shouldn't do any work, not your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, the sojourner with you, that your male and female servants may get rest as well. So it's rest, no one's to work. Verse 15, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So in Exodus 20, the command to rest for them to keep Sabbath was a response to God, the Creator. But, but here in Deuteronomy 5, it's tied to the, the Exodus, Israel's deliverance from slavery. They were to keep the Sabbath in response to God, the Redeemer, as well. So God is great, you can rest. God is good, so you can rest. How do we know God is good? Not just because He's told us that He's good, but because He's shown us that He's good. He has, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm, I'm sure Rick enjoys that too. You can amen all you want. Hey, get up and, and wave as long as you're not distracting everybody. Cartwheels, let's talk about that before, uh, probably next week for Rick. It might be a little shock. God is good. He's shown us he's good. He has all power and he uses that power to benefit us, his people. God is great. That's true, he's great. And let me point out, that would be a really bad thing if he were evil or capricious, unpredictable, wouldn't it be? But he's not. God is great and like the prayer goes... And God is good, amen? God is good. The Exodus is an astounding act of God that highlights his goodness to deliver his people from slavery. God not only has the power, the greatness to do that, he's good to his people. He delivered them from slavery. But as incredible as their Exodus was, it was later overshadowed by an even better Exodus 
The one that Jesus brought about by his death on the cross. Amen? Israel was freed from the power of Pharaoh when Moses led them out of Egypt. But all God's people are freed from the power of Satan, from the power of sin, from the wrath of God too, when Jesus, the greater Moses, led all God's children out of slavery. Amen? By his death on the cross, Jesus, bearing all the sin and shame and restlessness of our wicked hearts, he finished the work of redemption. And now a rest is available for the people of God. A rest that we can experience right now. A rest for our souls. Not just a, a break from work or a vacation or a, a, a retreat. Uh, not just rest for our physical fatigue, but rest for our soul fatigue. Sometimes you might feel really exhausted. You might be really tired. And and I'll I'll ask friends sometimes, and they've asked me the same thing. How are you doing? I'm I'm, I'm just really tired. Are you weary? I don't know in English if there's much of a distinction between those two things, but I always think tired, I need more sleep. I have have a lot going on. Weary, that seems to be I'm weary in my soul. I'm losing hope. God has rest for our souls. He wants to bring that to us this morning. Do you know much about this rest? This rest for your soul? Is that that part of your experience, your, your life in Christ? Maybe by God's grace this morning uh, will be like a memorial stone or an Ebenezer for you and for me. Maybe the rest of God that he provides for us will take on new significance in your life this morning. Uh, Please, God, let that be true. Amen? We need this rest. We have since the fall. And I don't mean a season on the calendar. I mean that first one. Since sin entered the world, since sin entered the world, we have this need to prove ourselves, to justify our existence, to show our worth. And so we strive, we work, but it's never enough. No amount of vacation or coffee breaks or movie nights will cure this. It doesn't matter how many hours you spend on the hammock or the golf course. You you might get a break from the franticness of life, the need to over and over prove yourself and, and show your worth and produce something that you can hand out. But guess what? It'll just be just as frantic when you return. The weekend's going to end. The summer break's going to be over. You'll be back at work soon enough. So even though we get breaks, we have opportunities. If we don't have rest for our souls, it really doesn't matter. Just a break from the franticness of life. It'll be there again. We have something to hear from God's word this morning. We have something to learn from his example. When God finished his work of creation, he rested And when Jesus finished his work of redemption, do you know what he did? He sat down at the right hand of the Father. God is resting from his work of creation because it is finished. Jesus, 
God the Son is resting from his work of redemption because it is finished. And while God is resting, what are we doing? While they're sitting, we're often standing, aren't we? We have a posture that says, thanks God for all you've done, but the work isn't done yet. That's what we're saying when we work and work and work and never rest or make little time for rest. We're saying, God, my contribution cannot be interrupted. Listen, you who have a hard time resting, close your eyes if if, if it helps. Just listen. Listen. It is finished. It is finished. It is finished. What is finished? Everything necessary for life. Everything necessary for salvation. Everything necessary to bring you to God. It is finished. Learn to say, I rest on His works, not my own. I rest in His unchanging grace, not my ability to make life turn out. I rest in the grace of the world, like Wendell Berry says, the grace of God, and am free. We rest in order to honor the image of God in us, in order to remind us that there's more to us, more to our life than work, to remind ourselves that true living is more than doing. We can rest because God is great. We can rest because God is good. And then I was tempted, like we so often are at the end of a sermon, I was tempted to end the message by listing some things that we can do to help us rest better. But I didn't want anyone to hear me say or to get this sense that, that now we've, that we're clear on the fact that it's God's works and not ours that matter most. Here's a list of things you can go do now. Perhaps better, I, I, I thought would be to tell you there's some good books written by people like Richard Foster and Dallas Willard that, who can help us with this rest, this Sabbath. There's some good sermons by, by pastors like Tim Keller and others who, who uh, help us better live into the rest that God provides. But for our purposes this morning, I thought a prayer would be most fitting. That really ought to be our initial response to anything we hear. The first application to any message, our our primary strategy, we could say, should be prayer. Because we're taking whatever it is, and we're, we're lifting our gaze to God who is great. He's the creator. And we're lifting our gaze to God who is good. He's the redeemer. And we're saying, God, we need you. You're worthy of our thanksgiving and our life and everything else. It's about your work on our behalf, not our works on your behalf. So let's do that. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless till they find their rest in you. So lead us by your spirit that in this life we may live to your glory 
and in the life to come, enjoy you forever. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is alive with you and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. The message, God is great, God is good, we can rest, was given by Pastor Tim Cullen at Christ Community Church of Laguna Hills. For more information and resources from Christ Community, we invite you to visit us at www.ccclh.org.